Welcome to Sound DeFi, the podcast that delivers key insights from today's thought leaders on all things DeFi, blockchain, crypto, and private market asset data. I'm your host, Chris Berg. We just got done with a fantastic conversation about really the implementation of DeFi. I think one of the that jumped out, gentlemen, was the fact that it seems like many of your sort of proponents of more regulations, just to give you more clarity and sort of the antithesis of some DeFi people. So got some great guests here. Jeff Gio, Chief Product Officer with Invenium is with us. He was the moderator. Jeff Chambers, founder and CEO of MineralAnswers.com. So thank you for being here. Pat Levecchia, thank you, sir. CEO of Oasis Pro Markets. Walter Leiker, <laughs> Chief Strategy Officer with Crown Peak. And then Shannon Robnett, founder and CEO of Vertical Equity. Um, Jeff, I'm going to just start with you uh, being with Invenium. But I thought a fantastic conversation here. People that didn't get a chance to hear the full conversation, what would you say was the greatest takeaway out of that panel for the people listening today? You know, the reason that I wanted to have this panel and these participants is these are all folks that are really thinking about DeFi and the advantages it brings and what that end-to-end -end promise of DeFi delivers. And they're all in different phases of the journey, but they're all sort of my, my most forward-leaning adopters, if you will, in our ecosystem around this topic. And I, and I thought it would be important for this audience to hear these stories and, and what's going on here is at that level because there's a lot of this conference about web three data three and regulatory uh, capital market structures and this is really the, the ground game of the future here this this group so I, I thought it'd be important for that perspective to be shared and I think the all did a, a great job of doing that so Shan I want to jump to you real quick if you don't mind you talked about the, your, your real estate business and I think one of the great things you mentioned was the fact that, hey look now I'm going to have these assets but I can use DeFi to leverage myself rather than having to sell them. If you can just expand on that for our audience to get a chance to hear you today. Yeah, well, you know, the, the thing that we're finding right now in, in the real estate market is there's a huge constraint on supply. So as a syndicator, you know, I get paid when we sell. But if I'm in a position where I'm not having uh, something else to buy right away, then I'm putting capital on the sidelines. My LPs are going to somebody else. You know, they're, they're looking at something else. Maybe they don't have the capital when we come back around. So if I'm in a position where I can reliquify them when it's convenient for me, when we've got another project, DeFi fills that space and it makes it something that um, if, you, if you're using it properly, it's, it's like getting a home equity loan on a commercial grade asset, but maybe Pat doesn't want to do it, but you know everybody else does. We can do it individually on our tokenized property, and it allows us to have that regulated standpoint uh, to some degree, but our individual choice on how leveraged we want to be in the asset. A lot of people too are looking at you know the fractional share piece that you mentioned. You're already right. utilizing that. So how are you using that? in real world aspects right now? Well, we're tokenizing uh, real estate assets. So we, we take, you know, we use bank debt for, for first position. We've, we've raised an equity position. We tokenize that equity position. Then with the Invinium product, we go through our rehab or, or our ground up development on that. As that asset becomes more valuable, people have money that they've made. And, you know, when you put together a syndication, you don't always get everybody that wants to go the full five to seven years with you. Some people want an off-ramp in 24 months, right? Or 36 months, or, you know, you come home one night and the wife says, you know what, we're, we're doing a fractional division of our personal assets. And now, you, you know, now you need to get some of this back. And it allows for an off-ramp for anybody at any point after a 366-day period. Uh, so now they have that choice. But then it also brings up the thing of, well, 
I've got to get half my money out because the wife wants her portion. I can now do that with DeFi. It opens up a whole other thing. And it now makes syndication, in my opinion, a lot more attractive to a lot of investors who are sitting on the sidelines going, the stock market's overblown, right? I don't understand crypto because it doesn't have anything behind it in in the naivety of, of most people. They're looking at it going, you know, th there's nothing there. So now you're able to go, I've got a real world asset. I've got fractional ownership and I've got the ability to transfer that from here to, you know, Greece in two minutes and I still have I still have an underlying asset that's that's securitized. As you look at what Invenium's doing with the, the data, right? right? And now it's like, okay, I can invest in this asset, but like uh, Pat said earlier today, rather than having 120 days to close an asset, it's going to be down to days, maybe minutes. So it seems like I'm a lot more hyper-liquid than I currently am right oh, uh, now. Yeah, absolutely. And the, uh, again, the blockchain has, we didn't really talk about smart contracts, hmm. but basically documentation, which is what slows everything down. Uh, is in the smart contract. I'll give you an example. Secondary loan market. It's been around for decades. It still takes anywhere between 15 and 21 days to settle. And that's because of the documentation. It's got to be reviewed by the attorneys, etc. Once smart contract comes to tokenization, all the information you need, the original documentation, the amendments, etc., it's all in that smart contract. Mm -hmm. Very easy. So from a liquidity standpoint, and of course, Invinium marks it, from a valuation perspective. So you've got all the components of making a decision on a much more rapid basis than what the current TradFi market is. Jeff, for you, I'm from North Dakota, so we've got a lot of mineral owners there. It can get pretty wonky the way it's structured in our state. And I like what you said about, you know, you look at minerals right now, they're not very liquid unless I get a check next month, but other than that, I can't really do much with them. So yeah. how are you guys utilizing blockchain to help mineral owners have more liquid? Well, I'll touch on a couple of points. One that, one that Pat talked about and maybe the second that Shannon brought up. And I think the first has to do with documentation, right? At the end of the day, minerals and royalties are real property as seen by the government, right? And so it, it, it trades just like a real estate asset surface-wise, right? It's subsurface and there's a little bit more complexity to it because it can be fractionalized. And I'll give you an example. There's a well in uh, Midland, Texas that goes underneath the city that has 3,100 owners. And so if you start to think about, there's, there's not very many, in fact, there's probably not any surface uh, property that has 3,100 owners. And so with that comes all the challenges that, that, that Pat talked about from a documentation standpoint. And if anybody has tried to even just refinance your house, you've gone through the process, right? I mean, we recently have done this and I've owned the house forever. We're the people that built it. The market had gone up just crazy in Austin, and so there was no question about whether or not like loan-to-value was going to land in the right spot. But it still took almost 90 days for us to, to get a refi, and it's absolutely ridiculous, right? So that market absolutely needs to change. Some of those same principles apply to subsurface. And so from our perspective, there's not a ton of difference between subsurface and surface other than there's a little bit more complexity subsurface to, to minerals and royalties in that cash flow stream. You know, when I, when I think about what, what Shannon was saying about fractionalization, you know, it, the concept around, around DeFi and, and new liquidity options gives people some variability on how and when they decide they want to get paid. And you don't have to necessarily wait until next month or find yourself in an unfortunate <laughs> event where you have to sell in a down market. Right. And so the whole hope is that these new financial services and even 
beyond financial services, insurance type services, which I'll talk about in a second, are very applicable to this audience. And I think that, you know, when, when I think about insurance, you've got operators that are able to go buy hedges, right? They can collar prices and really protect themselves. As a consumer or a royalty owner, you don't have those kind of capabilities. And so um, every now and again, there's there's problems that come up, for example, like, you know, a mechanical issue on a well that will shut it down for 20, 30, 60 days. Well, during that time, it's not pumping, you're not getting paid. Wouldn't it be great to have some sort of insurance product that said, look, like in the event of a mechanical failure, you know, and you don't get paid, we're still going to be able to cover next month's check because a lot of these people still live off of those checks and kind of paycheck to paycheck like a lot of Americans do. And so it's an important income stream for a lot of people in America. Walter, will you speak to, I think one of the that jumped out from your conversation was uh, sort of the adaptation of all this and, and we're going to need some more institutional money coming in with with that it's going to mean some more regulation, which kind of surprised me. Many of you guys seem to be pro-regulation rather than anti, which like I said at the beginning of this, is sort of the antithesis of DeFi. So just your comments on that. Will do. I want to add one comment to both Jeff and Paul. We've spoken about the time aspect and the speed, but there's also a cost aspect in the whole refinancing item. Jeff, what did you pay in refinancing fees? Mm. Oh, several, I mean, and, and it's, several thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I call that stupid money because yes. it's, it's just documents going through people's hands and they're just upcharging and upcharging. So the portion is also this is a much more efficient and economic process. So that aside, to your point, is what stands out for me is is really my job was to walk this through Cushman and Wakefield at the time. Large commercial real estate company. In the entry conversation, somebody cursed and they use the word fractional shareholding. <laughs> and you can imagine a commercial real estate company just say, what, we want out. So it, I took a, a lot of time to demystify DeFi. And I would encourage your listeners um, to, when they embark on this in a large company, and this is all green fields, and the naming of blockchain and cryptocurrency spook everybody because those technologies are from the evil one. If you really sit back and just demystify it and explain, you know, what is the technology do and where where is it going, together with the fact that there are now inroads being made to regulate it to a degree. So it's it, and I that to a degree, I do not see this being regulated to the extent that current financial markets are regulated. So there's somewhere this this sweet spot out there which we of course all hope the government falls on but some regulation is absolutely needed and to your point that is contradictory to the notion of DeFi and there's a big portion that don't want to be regulated and so on so there's definitely a need for that and it's very important for the CFOs and so on of very large corporates to see that there's a degree of regulation otherwise to Pat's point or, or it was Shannon, you know, we, it, it has this notion of cryptocurrency, and in their minds, whether it's true or not, in their minds, that's that's rogue. Yeah. They have a corporate responsibility, and with the advent of regulation, that they feel they can check that box. Last question for each of you, just to give you each a last word, if you don't mind being thought leaders in this space. Maybe one thing I'd like yeah, to please. leave that topic around the sort of the the surprising embracing of regulatory approaches that you're hearing in this audience and, and today is, you know, a couple of things to think about. And it may be 
you know, not the best thing for me to be saying, depending on who's listening to your podcast. But the the you know what you see here is a bunch of experienced business people, right? That are practical. They've been successful. They just know better that regulatory fact of life is a regulatory fact of life, and you need to embrace that if you're going to be successful in business. And yes, there's a generation that believes. They can be independent of all of that, and none of that matters, and they shouldn't be constrained by those types of ideas. But we're all practical business folks here, and we we know what success needs to look like. And while this is revolutionary, I've been through a few of revolutions, and at the end of the day, it's the same movie over and over again. And and so this isn't that different for those of us that maybe have a gray hair or two that haven't yet been covered up by formula. So, and, and the other thing is that uh, that Invenium, you know, we 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 definitely focus on a ecosystem of partners and clients that have that practical understanding of the real world, and and that we. We want assets on our platform that are going to be traded in a compliant way, in a play, in a way that it really has zero, you know, chance of being an inappropriate trade or an appropriate security. And so I think that's reflective in the audience in the in the ecosystem that's here for this particular conference, where there may be a few, you know, wilder players out there. That uh, this was the most wild group I could pick from our ecosystem. <laughs> you know, might be able to see. So. Anyway, so but thank you for saying that because I think that is going to provide more certainty. Thus, you're going to have obviously more liquidity going into the space, which is good for everybody. So, last word from each of you, just in you, within your industry, where are we in 36 months in this space? I I think 36 months that blockchain is going to be ubiquitous is a strong word, but uh, a, a large part of capital markets and um, that the regulators will finally get there. I think there's going to be more regulation. And not that we're looking for it, but three years ago I was hoping. But the reality of the situation is it is what it is. And, uh, you know, the government always, at, at the end of the day, the regulators want to protect the underlying investors. And there's debates as to who they're actually protecting and what the, the benefits are. But, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I think what we will be having a very different discussion. Frankly, I think a lot of the big banks are going to be in the market, and uh, we're going to look back and say, "Why didn't this happen five years earlier?" Wow. And uh, yeah, that's a bold prediction. Thank you, uh, Shannon. For you, thirty-six months out. You know, we're seeing a lot of. I mean, look, most syndication has started from the Jobs Act in two thousand fifteen. So that, in and of itself, going into the LP markets isn't that old. Now you're going to combine that with a technology that embraces the true conveyance of that fractionalized ownership. I, I think it's going to be hand in glove and you're going to see a massive adaptation of the tokenization of real estate, which is going to allow for the definance of the underlying asset again and again. So I think you're going to see that and, and you're going to need that for you know the retail investor to fight the big banks that Pat was talking about that are going to be moving into the space to suck up the assets. Because one of the things that we're seeing is companies like BlackRock moving in to fight inflation by buying real hard assets and the, you know, the retail investors finding it harder and harder to get placement in there. So I, I see that that's, that that's going to work kind of hand in glove and you're going to see a lot of growth in that market um, just because you know, title insurance isn't going to like it. You know, like we were talking about earlier, the fees and everything, it minimizes the fees, but it, but we're willing to pay the same by maximizing the return, 
right? So if I'm paying, you know, two points loan origination, you know, title insurance, lawyer's fees, all this stuff to get a five and a half percent loan, or I'm paying 9% out the door on a DeFi product, I'm 9% all day long. Because at the end of the day, that's what I have. And now the retail investor is back in the game, getting something better than what the big bank is giving you right now at your 0.02% in your savings account. I love how you just broke that down. Thank you. Walter, are you 36 months? Um, So I work for a software private equity firm. We buy and sell, buy and aggregate and sell software companies. I see fractional ownership happening in that industry as soon as possible. I absolutely see that becoming a reality. And I see mom and pop being able to own a one thousandth of a software company worth $50 million and grow with that asset. It's not the elite who owns the big money who has the ability to grow that money. It is now also the democratization of that industry that is at the doorstep. So you're saying a mom and pop could eventually act almost like a VC and invest in yes. a unicorn type? very much. That's fantastic. Jeff? Yeah, I think, I mean, what, what Shannon uh, touched on, I think is important for your listeners to understand, and it was the JOBS Act uh, of, what, 2016? 2015. Yeah. That really opened the door for all of this kind of fractionalization, crowdsource funding, everything that Walter mentioned uh, from, you know, uh, the ability for the, an individual small owner to own fractionalized pieces of assets. And so with, with that context, I think the same thing will happen in the mineral and royalty space for us. It already is super fractionalized. In fact, I, I would say that that asset class already acts like that, but it's still suffering from the time constraints that we discussed earlier. And so being able to improve the speed with which these transactions um, can happen, you know, identity verification, asset verification, valuation, marking, you know, making the market, all of those things are there. Now it's a function of putting the pieces together so that you can bring these transactions uh, to light, make the market, and then make it as liquid as possible. Exciting. Jeff, thank you for getting all these people together. I'll give you the last word, sir. Sure. Yeah, I think in three years, the the access to liquidity and the protection of that liquidity using blockchain and distributed ledger technology will be mainstream and it won't, won't be a, you know, a skunk work type of idea. Um, but I also think that in three years we're going to see a set of applications and products that we're not talking about yet. And there's going to be tremendous innovation and change on that backbone and new types of applications and new types of, of interfaces and services, et cetera, that we're just scratching the surface to see. You know, Shannon and I were talking about earlier, you know, what DeFi needs to deliver to his business and in, in, in terms of how do you now actually provide, you know, investor management services around the assets that you've invested in? How do you pay dividends? How do you do capital calls? How do you distribute rent? All of that. None of those applications are built yet. So none of those. That's although, just because Jeff's too busy here at the conference. To, <laughs> <laughs> I asked him about that last night. And we still don't have. <laughs> but that's you know that's a whole new world of applications of of, of interfaces and and opportunities that uh, that really the the development community that's that's working on these things don't know yet about real world assets on blockchain. Right, it's all crypto based. And that's great and fine, but what we're talking about here is real-world assets, real-world financial products on blockchain, and the applications to support those 
are in their infancy or they're not even incubated yet. Incredible. Thank you, gentlemen, for the conversation. I appreciate it very, very much. This is Sound DeFi, the podcast that delivers key insights from today's thought leaders on all things DeFi, blockchain, crypto, and private market asset data.